It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Welcome to a crossover episode with Ralph Vieira and Ken Mills. It's Cheap Talk meeting Cheap Trick Tube. Hey, hey, how you doing there? Hello there. Welcome to Cheap Talk, and I'm glad to be here on Cheap Trick Tube. Hello, how are you? Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. I dreamed of you (laughs) last night. Ladies and gentlemen, on the other end of the line is the one, the only, my personal doctor, Dr. Fuck, Ralph Vieira. Thank you very much. Cure the sane. That's what I say. That's right. We need all the help we can get. That's right. Enough of this normal. Everybody needs to be insane. That's right. So you and I are friends, and we both love a lot of the same kind of music, and one of the things that we both love is Cheap Trick. Oh, yes. We are very much big Cheap Trick fans, and I am a faithful listener to Cheap Trick, Chat, Chat, Trick, Shoot, whatever. I've just started calling it Cheap Talk. You know, I got I got to be honest with you, Ken, and um, I do I do actually mention you guys a lot. If you haven't noticed in my reviews, I do. Part of my um, getting ready for one of my reviews, I do three things. I read fragile, uh, reputation of the fragile thing, but I can only go up to what busted or lap of luxury up to that one. Mm-hmm. The great st- uh, still competition from uh, Robert Lawson, and then when I'm done reading that parts of the show. I go on to cheap uh, chat and I I search for that album, you know, I'm looking for. And then I'll listen to that full episode and bam, right into my review. So got Mm. a combination of a bunch of cheap trick heads and I throw it all into my reviews with really killer visuals. Yes. And uh, for those of you who have never seen Ralph Vieira's cheap trick tube on YouTube, it's free and it's full of cheap trick and it's it's really well done. Well, thank you, Ken. And also, you know, it's not just reviews. I, I put up actual. I just saw Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. Want to give a shout out uh, to my buddy that I can't remember his name. Damn it! Uh, but anyway, he got me all the way to third row, and then at the end, I got to front row, and I filmed about fifty minutes of it, and you can see it on Cheap Trick Tube now, and it's a great set list, you know. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun, and it was cool for your friend to get you up there. I, I actually watched that as well. Oh, you and, saw the show? Yeah. No, well, I saw your show about okay. it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. now, now, yeah, yeah, I did a little review of the show, but now you can see the 50 minutes plus of the show that yeah, I put it's, on. it's definitely worth checking out. So, Cheap Talk fans, get over there and check it out. There will be links in our show notes as well. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your personal Cheap Trick history. Ken, it is the most bizarre story you'll ever hear about anybody who got into Cheap Trick. Uh, it, it, it's, it's really strange. It was 1978, or maybe it was 77, one of the two years, I'm a little foggy. Uh, a friend of mine, remember Columbia House? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine was on Columbia House, so he can get a free record or something if he gets people to join. Mm-hmm. So he got me to join. So I wasn't the biggest music fan back then. I liked Kiss. You know, I was just like into Kiss and I liked ELO and uh, Kansas. That's about it. And Black Sabbath. So uh, he, you know, I, I was looking through the list for him to put bands on there. So he did. But uh, there was one I couldn't figure out. I didn't know what to put. And he randomly put Cheap Trick. And I he didn't even tell me this. 
So when the cassettes came in, I got a cassette of In Color. Mm. And when I saw the cover, I thought, what is this, like the Beach Boys? You know, because it didn't have the back cover on the cassette, just the front cover. I never bothered to listen to that cassette, ever. And Mm. then my friend, who's still my good friend uh, today, came over to my house and we were going to tape, I forgot what show on King Biscuit Flower Hour, an old radio show that would have concerts. And uh, I didn't have a cassette, so I said, oh, let me get this. I was going to tape over in color, you know, because I didn't know, you know, I, I just didn't give a chance. And he said, he goes, dude, put it on. Let's hear this. And I was like, all right. And when I put it on and that riff, the hello there came on, we both like looked at each other and our jaws dropped. And that's how I discovered Cheap Trick. That was before Budokan. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I never saw them on Don Kirshner at the time. They were on. But mm-hmm. that's how I got into Cheap Trick. Is that the most bizarre way to get into a band? It absolutely is. And it shows how important a visual thing is. I mean, you were turned off by the cover in a way. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought it was like, you know, Simon and Garfunkel or you know, now in my ripe old age, I love all that stuff. But back then, you know, I was like, oh, I don't like the Beach Boys. I don't like Simon. I thought that's what it was going to sound like because that's what that cover looks like. It looks like, you know, two guys sitting playing acoustic. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might as well be the Nelsons. Nothing against them. No, no, no. And they were very, uh, Gunner was very nice at the Rock and oh, Pod. You met him, right? Great guy. Great guy. Oh. Awesome guy. But you know what I mean? It, it's, it just looks like two good-looking guys on motorcycles. I'm not sure what message that conveys, right? Yeah. Who knows? If, if I would have saw Rick and Bun on that uh, cassette, the back cover, I might have listened to it going, what the hell? All right, let me hear this. But just seeing, you know, because the cassette didn't bring the back cover. Right, so, right. So there you go. And I became fanatical when I heard that, that uh, cassette. That mm-hmm. I ran out and bought uh, Heaven Tonight and then soon after the first album. Then my my friend's brother, uh, Ronnie Hicks, had an uh, import of Budokan before it was in the U.S. And that was that floored me, too. And then, uh, you know, we all know history after that. When it was released here, I Want You to Want Me blew them up. But I knew them before mm-hmm. all that stuff. When, when did you discover them, Ken? Well, it was... Probably because of the Kiss connection, right? I mean, them opening for Kiss, yeah. Even a little bit before that, it was talking about. I think Gene Simmons mentioned them in a okay. in a magazine, and I went, "Oh, I need to check these guys out." And uh, then, before I could really explore them, I went over to a woman's house named Karen, and she was uh, asked me to babysit her kids, and she was dating my uncle. And she handed me the first Cheap Trick record. She said, I know how much you love the Beatles. These are like the hard Beatles. You should check them out. And it floored me. Just absolutely floored me. It was all the dark stuff that I loved about Alice Cooper, all the great harmonies and riffs of the Beatles. But some of that attitude of Kiss and who knew what else was all in that stew, right? You remember what year that was? I think it was just before In Color came out. Oh, wow. You you knew him before me. Well, it was only because of Karen, because she was cool, right? 
Right. I, I had a little crush on her. Actually, mm. it was kind of a big crush. It was, <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a crush on her. She was cool. If if my uncle was dating her, she was cool, and she was somehow or another she she got a hold of the record, and uh, it just floored me. And I remember being freaked out by the side one side A thing. Yeah. And for years, I always thought "Hot Love" was the opening track till the CD came out. Mm-hmm. But either either side, either side is a great opener. It really know? is a perfect album. But you know, "Hello Kitties," it's logical that should be the first side. But I was a dumb kid. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. You must recognize this. How it went from like Cheap Trick was this weird underground band, then they became like big amongst the jocks and cheerleaders and stuff like that you know what i mean yeah and it was strange to see that evolution happen and then it was even weirder by the time we get to all shook up cheap trick is in (laughs) 16 magazine and tiger beat and right if you listen that first album there's songs about richard speck and all the molesters yeah (laughs) poisoning people (laughs) just so much weirdness so much darkness on that first album it's like a hurricane of darkness and in the middle of that hurricane in the eye is the beautiful manicello oh my god one of the best songs of all time agree completely You know, I mean, look, I'm not one to be like, you know, caring about like what, you know, the mass is like. But when it comes to Cheap Trick is an exception. This band should not be opening for anybody. They should be playing arenas. They should be at the same level of Dream Police and All Shook Up today. And it just it really does baffle me how they are so underrated, but so loved by us, you know, because they do have a, a fanatical fan base, which is good. They deserve it. But I think, you know, they should be as big as a Kiss or, you know, or anybody that's still, you know, because they are, you know, a legendary band. They are, a you know, a band that's been around, a band that I saw in a little tiny club during The Doctor uh, in Hialeah, Florida, where, you know, it just goes to show this band is a real band. They don't give up. You know, it's like most mm-hmm. bands. All right. We're. We're headline arenas, then we go, we plummet to little clubs. Okay, let's call it a day. Not them. And you got to love them for that. Yeah. So I, I have a weird theory as to why they're not bigger. Why is that? They didn't break up. Oh, you think that would have done it? Well, when you think about it, they missed the entire reunion phenomenon. You know what mm, I mean? Right. Because even though Bun had left for a while, it was like uh, they were always there. And I think that it's kind of like being the nice guy in high school. You know, a lot of people try to take advantage of you or don't really realize what they got in you. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. So that's how they wound up opening for like bands like Poison back in the day, right? When it should have been the other way around. Of course, you know, and Poison uh, became huge uh, through uh, a Cheap Trick song, She's Tight, you know? Yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's the same riff. But, it's the uh, same riff, yeah. And I'm sure that they would admit it because they're Cheap Trick fans too, so... You know, yeah, like I may not be I may not be the biggest Poison fan. In fact, I don't like them at all. But I do respect them for at least uh, acknowledging that you know Cheap Trick is a band worthy to take out on the road with them. So I'll give them that. Absolutely. So, do you think I'm like talking out my hind end on this one, or do you think there's any truth to that? I don't know, Ken. You know, maybe, but at the same time, it's like, all right, let me let me ask you a question. When, at what timeline would you say they break up? I would say probably the doctor. Mm, you see, I, I I would disagree. I would say if they broke up during All Shook Up when they were still a, a high level band, a high profile band, because by the doctor, you know, they were just getting less and less and less popular. Right. But but at the same time, I love you, Ken. Even if we disagree. Well, there's it's just it's just thoughts and opinions. Never yeah, be I know. afraid exactly. of thoughts and opinions. A lot of people can take it personal. That's what I love about you. You don't take it personal. No. Uh, one of the things that, like, I've always thought it was kind of interesting how their career starts off in the same way like Kiss does, where you have three albums that go virtually unrecognized, mm -hmm. and then that third live album hits, and then boom. And it's and, and another parallel is Kiss was huge in Detroit during those years, and Cheat Trick was huge in Japan. That's right. So they did have a following in some little area of the world, mm -hmm. you know, and then it blew up with a live album. And then their most polished work, really, at the time was Dream Police, and Kiss's most polished work was Destroyer, right? Oh, there. I didn't see that parallel. There, I agree with you. Yeah. And then at some point, they, they, they almost lost Tom Peterson about the same time that they did Peter Chris, you know, so it was just a weird, weird thing. Yeah it's it's just strange but like i i sometimes wonder if if bands you know they say it's better to burn out than fade away right but like mm -hmm. you you have to wonder what kind of impact just imagine if we would have had cheap trick in color heaven tonight budokan all shook up found all the parts and then boom they just disappeared for a while that there i think the reunion would have been huge yeah cuz then it'd be to me, those albums are legendary. Don't, don't, don't. Anyone listening, don't misconstrue uh, our, our, our surmising and speculating for uh, lack of love because I think those those first three albums are just untouchable. And mm -hmm. uh, now let let me uh, let me run you down on this. We know that Cheap Trick has always been kind of unhappy with In Color. Yes. I know you have heard the In Color re-records. Not a fan, Ken. I don't know what you feel about it. I do love Clock Strikes 10 on there. That's about it. Mm -hmm. I like that version. I think it's really good. Well, for those who have never heard it, it's weird because in a lot of ways they make the same mistakes that they claim are on the first version of In Color, right? Like, they don't really change I Want You to Want Me all that much. As a matter of fact, they even put a part that has, like, a flute or something on it, a clarinet. Oh, 
Yeah, you're right. That's right. I haven't heard that in so long because I don't really visit that one. Though it's on my iPod Shuffle and Clock Strikes 10 came on, like, I don't know, like maybe six months ago. And I was like, wow, this is really good, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm not a fan of Steve Albini, you know. Yeah, there's it. he seems to be a love or hate kind of a guy. Like, there's a lot of people that really don't like his work. Yeah, I, I you know, because uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest Nirvana fan, but I really like Nevermind. Mm-hmm. And then when he did the next album, I was like, oh, it's the... The sound of that album was like, I don't know, it sounded so muddy and stuff. And I feel the same way about In Color. But at the same time, you may answer this for me, Ken, because I'm not sure. Was that album ever mastered? You're talking about the re-records? Yes. As far as I'm concerned or anything I've ever heard, no. Because I think that may be a big problem with it, too, because it does sound muddy. Yeah, well, it's similar to the same kind of history that kiss had with carnival souls right like that yes. album i don't feel was ever delivered the way it should have been i think that the the problem with carnival souls just to I, we have to talk kiss i mean it's part of our dna uh i think the reunion ruined it gina paul just gave up on it and threw it on on uh, toby and and bruce's shoulders and uh i feel there's a lot of good songs on there and there's a lot of songs that could have been so much better if they took a little more time on it you know what mm-hmm. i mean and uh, but, you know, in color to me, maybe it's because of, you know, the, the timeline and my first cheap trick experience. It's so good. It it's is so good. It's so perfect. I am not a fan of I want you to want me. I'll, I'll be a f- I love the Budokan version. And, I, you know, it may be a burnt out song. But, and, and no matter how many times I've heard that song, it always gets my foot tapping live. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's such a feel good tune, you know. I honestly believe that those songs have earned their uh, reputation. They, they've they've earned their love, right? Like, I never understand. Like, if you go see Quiet Riot, why wouldn't you want to hear one of their hits? If you go see Van Halen, why wouldn't you want to hear one of their hits? And I'm a, I'm a I'm a big deep set list guy. But having said that, anytime I hear Surrender, I'm fucking horns up and loving it. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like the first time. Surrender is the perfect song, too. It's just perfect. Mm-hmm. It you know? absolutely is. Uh, what you just said, you're a Deep Track fan. Right. There's no better band to go see than Cheap Trick if you're a Deep Track fan. Because they throw out so many Deep Tracks, and they don't stick to the same set list, you know? That's true. Now, a lot of people may not know this, but you are a songwriter as well. I've yes. written a few songs. Whether anyone wants to hear them or not, that's debatable. But... One of the most interesting things that I personally love about the song Surrender is that it does not rhyme. Yeah, you're right. And I I think it was in one of the books that it finally dawned on me. I go, you know, that's right. And yet it fits so well. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing when you almost have to walk people through it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You almost have to like, no, check it out. No, I, I know you've heard it. But now let's, let's go through the words. And then people, like, it dawns on them. It's like, holy crap. It, it influenced two songs I've recorded, actually. Really? I purposely uh, made two, uh, Seven Doors of Death and some of this song called Sweet, Sweet Trash. I did some lines that didn't rhyme. But mm-hmm. it was hard, Ken. It was really hard to make a song not rhyme and still make it work. You know what I mean? Right. But still, I mean, as much as I love those two songs, uh, Surrender's way better. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome to the stage the best fucking rock band you've ever seen. 
you know, we we talk about the first three albums as like gold, as yes. untouchable, right? Mm-hmm. What did you think once you got past the Budokan era and then Dream Police dropped? How did that hit you? You know, I have a very hard time when it comes to Cheap Trick picking a favorite. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Dream Police is my favorite. I think Dream Police is a perfect album. Uh, I love everything about that album. And, you know, Way of the World is probably probably my favorite song, uh, uh, you know, along with On Top of the World. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that album. I love not only Cheap Trick, but a lot of bands have a problem with that guy. Tom Worman. Right. But I, I thought that guy was a genius, what he did with that album and what he did on Heaven Tonight. And to a lesser extent, In Color, even though I love In Color, but In Color doesn't have the kitchen sink stuff that those other two albums had. Right. You know, with all the orchestra stuff, but mm-hmm. it's still a great album. You know, but I just think that guy was amazing. And and I, I, I don't know if you know this, Ken. You probably did. You probably interviewed uh, him, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. And I think I heard it on your show. He said that he liked using the worst track to second to last. Mm-hmm. You know that? You know that? Which is bizarre. Stiff competition. Um, what's the other one? Um, uh, I know what I want, um, which I'm sick of live, by the way. And uh, what's the second to last song on uh, on In Color? Is Come On, Come On, isn't it? Yeah. Come On, Come On is the second to the last song. So good to see you. Those are all gems. You know? Such a great song. Excellent but yeah, stuff. I loved I loved Dream Police, and uh, it, it, uh, to me, it's just a perfect album. And sometimes I have a hard time between that, Heaven Tonight, and the first album. Not to say nothing uh, away from In Color, because In Color is my first love, and I give In Color a perfect ten. But it's that I want you to want me version. I think eh, it just degrades it a little more than the other albums that I love every single track on it. Mm, very good. Now, why should someone who's a Cheap Trick fan? And I, this is a silly question, but we have to ask it. Why should someone who's a Cheap Trick fan watch your channel on YouTube, Cheap Trick Tube? Um, because it's 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 a a lifelong fan, you know. I mean, uh, you will see, and a lot of people will disagree with me because I kind of fell off uh, the map on Cheap Trick after All Shook Up. Mm-hmm. I'm not very favorable in my review to those albums. Even though there are tracks, especially on Next Position, Please, I really do like. But between that and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give, I think I'm up to lap of luxury now. Because just to let everybody know, I have every review done up to Rockford, but I put up one a month. And I have them all scheduled for the first Friday of each month. And uh, I, I, I'm not very favorable be, uh, during that time. But boy, I get back on track, you know, on later albums, you know. Mm-hmm. And some albums that are not very liked. Uh, uh, an album that I heard on a trick cheap, cheap talk that was not very liked. I'm a big fan of, you know, uh, but that hasn't come up yet. Oh, it hasn't come up yet. No, it hasn't come up yet. So yeah. I think I know which one it is, but I'm not going to tip the hat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I even had a little discussion on your Facebook page about it, <laughs> you know, Excellent. When, you, when, it, when I was like, well, how can you guys not like this particular song? Mm-hmm. And I say about 98% of uh, the people on that page was like, because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but there was one guy who was like, no, nah, I'm with Ralph. I was like, yay, I got one person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's weird because it seems like there's just certain albums that have a reputation amongst fans. 
and you take a look at Cheap Trick 97, what is it about that album that stands out to you? I think that album, first of all, the music. The music, mm -hmm. and I already have that one up, so uh, I praise it a lot. I think that album lacks of uh, record company pressure. Right. And I felt like they were free to do what they want without second-guessing, because every album before it, I mean, Woke Up With a Monster is a damn great album. Mm -hmm. But there, I hear a little record company pressure, like, you know, what's that Pony song? Yeah, Ride, right, the, pony. Ride the Pony. And, yeah. and there's another one, uh, Something Every Minute. That sounds kind of like a record company, where this one was just unadulterated cheap trick, pure cheap trick, and Rick back to his insane, you know, eight miles low type little bizarreness mm -hmm. that, was, that I haven't heard in any cheap trick album since All Shook Up, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it was some of that manic craziness. Yeah, the, that actually well. is in the song "Woke Up with a Monster." It's weird because the table is kind of being set on "Woke Up with a Monster" a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like a stepping stone. I yeah, mean, exactly. They had, they had to do "Wake Up to a Monster" to get to ninety-seven. You know, exactly. Beautiful, beautiful album. The lyrics are just amazing on that album. If you're going through a divorce, you want to listen to "Cheap Trick" ninety-seven. <laughs> I never been there, Ken. It'll put you through all the changes, brother. I hear you. You got me up in my feelings. You put me through my changes.
let me ask you this. If someone has never listened to the Cheap Talk podcast, what would you tell them? I'd say they're missing out because if you love Cheap Trick, you get to hear, you know, because what you guys do, and by the way, uh, well, I'll say this after this. What you guys do is a roundtable type thing. And while doing my research for Rockford, uh, you inspired me to bring back the Vieira Vault mm. uh, podcast because I pretty much abandoned it because my Vieira Vault podcast was uh, just me. I wanted to be different than every podcast. and mm-hmm. But it, it, to be different every podcast, you have to think of something different every show. And it was just too difficult for me. Then I thought, I want to start doing roundtable stuff. And I'll, I'll bring it back. And I already hit you up uh, for that. Uh, and I hit up BJ because I would like to have you, BJ, and Robert on uh, to talk Cheap Trick because I just love the discussions and the different point of views, you know? And I love that. Right. The only thing is, is we got to be careful because with that much hot air in one area, yeah. it's fucking Hindenburg 2019. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. We're sexy as hell. <laughs> That's blowing it up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's some of your favorite reaction that you've got from Cheap Trick Tube? Well, my favorite uh, overall, and man, okay, I remembered his name. Charlie Hill. He's the guy that got me all the way up front. Wait a second. Cheap- you mean the Charlie Hill? The, the, oh, the guy that him. got you up front? Yeah, that's who got me up front. Yeah. Charlie Hill became a Cheap Trick fan. Because of me. And to me, that is the greatest thing that you can accomplish. It's to get somebody that, you know, all I know is the hits and whatever. To get them to, I'm telling you, Ken, the guy was mouthing every damn uh, song they played. Hot Love, you know, the the deep tracks. Mm -hmm. And, And to me, that's the greatest compliment is to turn somebody on to especially a band like Cheap Trick. You know, so I would say... Charlie Hill is probably my favorite, but you know, there's a lot of other people that, that I have turned on to cheap trick. Uh, but I never was at a concert with them and seen them mouth the word. So I don't know if they're as fanatical as they are. Cause Charlie Hill, uh, you know, paid the big money to get up front, you know, and he I, pulled uh, you up there too. And he, and he got me cause he was there with his girlfriend and he said, look, I'm going to walk out. There's a couple empty seats here. I'm going to walk out with my girlfriend's ticket. Then you walk in with her ticket and you can sit with us, you know? And uh, that's how, so yeah, that would be my favorite. And I'm sure you've done that as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Some of the best responses that we've heard are from people who kind of felt like they were all alone. Ah, Even though the internet's a big place and, you know, the world's a big place and everything. But there's a lot of people that they really literally have no one to talk to Cheap Trick about. Right. And that's one of the things that I found that I don't care if it's Kiss or the Monkees or whatever we're talking about. Somebody out there goes, you know, somebody is as big into this as I am. Someone cares as much as I do, you know, and it, it, it stops the conversation in the world from being me and I to us and we. You know what I'm saying? And there's something right. cool about that because you're not alone and you will find a lot of love on Cheap Trick Tube and a lot of love here on Cheap Talk. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing that's difficult, though, I'll say this much, is that a lot of Cheap Trick fans don't understand why we 
we'll cut off certain discussions and stuff on the Facebook page, for example, or why we won't go into certain areas of certain things. And that's because Cheap Trick has always been such an incredibly private band. There's a lot of bands that are not as protective of their personal life and stuff like that. But those guys took the time to develop multiple stories back in the day that, uh, for example, Bunny was from Venezuela, right? So Right. <laughs> and uh, Rick was related to the guy from uh, the Bowery Boys. Exactly. So yeah. it was just a little bunch of things to like throw you off the, the scent if you were really trying to figure out who they were. And it was a little bit of fun, but I think that there was also a bit of a thing that they wanted their personal lives to be respected. And I think that sometimes there's a lot of fans, like, for example... Some fans will want to talk about someone's ex-wife or someone's current wife or something like that. We try to shut that stuff down because we're not here to play Peyton Place or Days of Our Lives. We're here to talk about Cheap Trick, right? Mm-hmm. You're right. You're 100% right. And I don't go that route. I do go that route with Kiss. I love uh, the one interview they interviewed all four and they asked them what's their favorite song. Mm-hmm. And Bunny said, Kiss Me Red. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a trip. So what's your least favorite Cheap Trick album, or would that be spoilers for the Cheap Trick tube? No, no, because I, re- I already reviewed it. And, okay. uh, oh, am I going to get shit for this, Ken? My least favorite, and no, it's not The Doctor. It's Standing on the Edge. Really? Now, what is it about Standing on the Edge? I can't find a song I like on there. Not one? You know, not one. I There's something about that album that, just doesn't hit me and believe me when i do my reviews i spend a whole month listening to it at least once a day so Mm -hmm. it can really sink in and the doctor was another one i just didn't like and i listened to it for a full month and i was pleasantly surprised by quite a few tracks on there that were pretty damn good you know but you know it's like also word of mouth kind of like i gotta be honest you that kind of i'm guilty of word of mouth everyone is I bought The Doctor for $3 the year it was released mm-hmm. in some record store, short-lived record store here. And I brought it home. I played it once, and I was like, ugh, you know, that, uh, this ain't this ain't much for me. So I never revisited it until I started doing the review. And then I was so surprised. Some of those songs are really good, you know? Mm-hmm. And some are just out there, you know? Well, I'll, I'll do a dangerous take here, but I think that Standing on the Edge is not far from great songs per crap songs ratio of The Doctor. It's not that far off. Mm, okay. Well, you're, so you're a fan. Well, I, I like Standing on the Edge. One thing I didn't like was the cover. I'll give you that much. It, it, yeah. it just seems so confusing. Yeah, you can only make out Xander on it. Barely that. You know what I mean? Tonight it's you is okay, you know, for me. Yeah, Little Sister, Tonight It's You, uh, Love Comes, Standing on the Edge itself is is good. This time around I like, but not everything's great on it, you know what I mean? Like Rock All Night seems like a B-side, right? It sounds like a Poison song. Yeah. You know, one of those big rock tunes from the 80s. Total record company pressure. Yeah, well, let me put it this way. Rock All Night, Cover Girl, and Wild Wild Women could all be B-sides. Right. Yeah, to me, that whole album sounds like a B-side. But that's, you know, and and, and I do get, uh, you know, some guff, which I understand to a, an extent. But, you know, it's all personal opinion. I mean, in the end, I, I've, look, 
I may be off a couple numbers, Ken, but I believe the last time I saw Cheap Trick was my 100th time. Wow. I have not missed a Cheap Trick show since 1979, except for when they opened for Def Leppard and Poison. Mm -hmm. Other than that, oh, yeah, and there was another one that I was going to a Cheap Trick show, and I got uh, kidney stones. Mm. <laughs> uh, the day of, in, the earlier in the day, so I I ended up in the hospital. So those are the only two times I missed Cheap Trick in the whole. And Cheap Trick comes to South Florida a lot. Mm. I mean, a lot, several times a year. And I'm always there. And I and I went to the you know the Standing on the Edge tour, the Doctor tour. I mean, I never missed them because uh, I love them, you know. Right. Right. So if I if I am a little discouraged on some, it doesn't take away my fandom, you know, but. If I'm going to review something, I got to be honest. I'm not going to sit there and say it's great if I don't think it's great. Uh, Bunny actually would like you, he wants you, you have to sing along to this song. Even if you don't know it, if you do know it, you have to sing to this song. You can't find it It's time 
Well, let me ask you this. If I were to give you a project, I'm not doing this, but just something to, like, we'll, we'll ask the listeners and the viewers. If you were to put together an album of the best tracks from The Doctor and Standing on the Edge, what 10 songs would it be? Well, Ken, I don't have the, the albums in front of me. Right. Um, All right. So- well, here, I'll tell you what. I'm okay, go ahead. To, read them off. Read I'm going off. to read them off, and we okay. will we'll like do this right now. Hold on a second. Let me. We're doing this live, folks, right? Yeah. These things. And, and I and I am kind of old, Ken, so my memory is a little shot. So I might forget a song is good, but you know the ones that real stand out, I will remember. Absolutely. Okay. So the first track on "Standing on the Edge" and "The Doctor," they're both "Little Sister" and "It's Up to You." Love, it's up to you. I'm not a fan of Little Sister. All right. So you would you would not include Little Sister on it? I'll tell you this right now. The only song I'll, I'll, I'll include on there is uh, Tonight It's You and, and Love Comes. Mm. Are, you reminded me of that song. I was like, oh, yeah, I like that one, too. Yeah, that's a good one. I would take Little Sister, Tonight It's You, Love Comes, Standing on the Edge, and This Time Around... And bop them over to the doctor. So that's one, two, three, four, five. That's oh, Ken, the, mine's going to be an EP. Yeah. <laughs> I just counted up to five. Everyone should be proud of me. Yeah. Sesame Street did pay off. <laughs> and then if you were uh, from an older age, it would be hooked on phonics. <laughs> as far as songs that I would drop off the doctor, I would actually keep it's up to you if they would change some of it. Just, just a tiny bit. Right. What, like the keyboardy parts? Yeah, I can handle some of it, but right, you know, yeah, I I would chuck I would chuck probably four or five songs off the doctor and replace them. I could make a really nice mix. So if you're out there, let Ralph know on YouTube what your ten song collection. Let's see, it would be uh, would it be Doctor on the Edge or Standing on the Doctor? Which should it be? Um. The, I kind of like Doctor on the Edge because the Standing like, Doctor, standing, stand, standing Doctor, the Standing Doctor on the Edge. Yeah. So, <laughs> so whatever you want to call it, let us know your your top your your mix of Standing yeah. on the Doctor or Doctor on the Edge or Standing Doctor or Doctor Standing on the Edge. There you yeah, go. There you Could go. Be that and too. yeah, and and let me tell you, man, a lot of people on the Cheat Trick Tube love those albums. So you know, I did get a lot of. Negative comments of how much they love the album, you know, those two albums. It's weird, though, man. You know, you talk about show prep, right? I I encourage everybody, do your own show prep, even if you don't have a show, because it really does open up these albums to you in a way that you normally don't do when you're just listening to them. You know what I mean? Right. You're right. You really immerse yourself in it, and it's great. What do you want to do with cheap trick tube that you haven't done yet when i'm done with all the reviews i want to tackle the bunny carlos uh what are those discs he put out the bunny's basement yeah i want to tackle that i want to tackle the box set i want to tackle you know some of the live albums some of the b-sides the robin sanders solo albums you know i just want to go through everything they released that that i that i own mm-hmm. you know and I, I also like to do like an episode of songs that should have been on albums because they have a lot of great b-side stuff you know mm-hmm. that and soundtrack stuff that it's really good that they're not too proud of up up the creek is one of them i love that song rick hates it you know 
I love that track. It's dumb, yeah. but it's fun. It, it's fun. It's a fun tune, you know? Yeah. I've actually made a thing called Cheap Trick Goes to the Movies or Cheap Trick at the Movies. I've made like this compilation like seven times in my life. Oh, wow. Spring Break different... on there? Oh, of course. Yeah, I like that one too. It's got to be on there whether I want it or not. You know what I mean? It was just like a place for all the bastard songs. Through that... the Night is another awesome one. Yeah, that's a good It's one. not a movie song, but it's a B-side. Mm-hmm. But it, it would fit. So yeah. It, you know, it fits. And, of course, it's it's got uh, Reach Out and You Must Be Dreaming, right? What do you think of those two tracks? I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of uh, I Must Be Dreaming. And Reach Out, I really love the Chicago Fest version of it. Yeah, that's a really uh, I, good I'm version. not. I mean, I love the vocal deliverance, but shit, I say this in all my reviews. I don't like this song, but Robin's great on it. Robin's great on everything, you know? Right. And I love his vocal performance on Reach Out, the studio version. But I love how Rick does it, you know, with the guitar live. I think that version to me is the definitive version of that song, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I dig it as a song. I just can do without the, the keyboardy, you know, uh, studio version. Right.
I know that for me, as excited as I was about heavy metal, the movie, the magazine, everything, and the potential of a heavy metal soundtrack at the time, it just infinitely became cooler because Cheap Trick was going to be involved. Yes. That's why I bought the album. Same here. Absolutely. Yeah. Same here. I've heard that. I'm actually surprised that uh, the song didn't wind up on one-on-one, Reach Out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it matches the album perfectly. It does. 100%. I, I, I think never I, understood want be, I want be man off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you like that one, but. It's, it's got its place, just not in heavy rotation, right? I don't think it fits the album, the mm-hmm. the, the vibe of the album. I, and I don't really hate that song. To me, it's kind of a High Priest of Rhythmic Noise Part 2, you know? Right. Now, we did a crossover before we did an episode of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Yes. Where we talked about All Shook Up. So we want wow, to encourage people true. to check that out as well. Great episode. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. And you, you actually challenged me to like rethink some of my thoughts on side two of All Shook Up. Oh yeah, I I I wasn't too fond of the, like the last the like maybe the last two tracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't mind. I love you. No, no. Use your imagination. I I kind of like that song a lot now, but I think by the time we recorded that, I wasn't really on board with that mm-hmm. tune. But I don't feel it's as strong as all the material up to uh, Love Comes Tumbling Down. You know, uh, I love you, honey. Is you know. It's, it's not bad, but it's just not as good as everything that came before, you know, on that album, you know? I know that Love Comes Tumbling Down has a huge uh, importance in your life, and some people yes. may not know what the song is even about. You want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, it's about Bon Scott, and uh, there's a glaring uh, a glaring example of it when he says, it wasn't Johnny Be Good, but it sounded so great that night. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, Angus and Bond joined them on stage and they did Johnny Be Good. And you hear a little, you know, little references. Uh, they say uh, Highway to Hell in it. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple other little things. And it's just so cool how they were like tour mates. There's that infamous picture of them playing pool with Bond. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I, I'm a huge fan of Bond Scott. You know, I mean, I was gutted when I was in junior high finding out he died, you know. Because yeah. I was really on board with uh, Bon Scott at the time. But uh, I didn't get that that song was about Bon Scott till many years later. Mm-hmm. I believe it was uh, Reputation is a Fragile Thing educated me on that. I was like, oh, wow. You know, and it's and such a great spoken word on that song in yeah. the middle. You know, it's, it's just a phenomenal tune. Speaking of spoken word parts that mean a lot. You know, I've had some health issues over the last couple of years, and I've lost a ton of weight, and I'm well, I'm being reinvigorated, re you know, just coming back, right? That's and, awesome. I'm very proud of you, Ken. Well, thank you, but Love Comes Tumbling Down has a huge uh, importance. The one part where he talks about, I'm learning to live again with the power of music. Yeah. That is just, every once in a while, I'll just post that on Facebook and people don't even know what it's all about. But mm-hmm. it's true. Music is such a beautiful and powerful thing. And I want to take a second because we're going to wrap things up here soon. But 
Uh, we're going to do like a lightning round where you're going to give me your top threes of some things. Okay. Just, okay. I'm just going to put you on the spot. But I want to thank you for being my friend. Well, likewise, my friend. Before I got into the hospital and when I came out of the hospital especially, you would call me about once a week to check up on me. And uh, I, I tell people that you're my doctor. And, they, <laughs> you know, they don't believe me. But you, you put a smile on my face when I couldn't find one. And uh, I just want to go on record as thanking you for that because I see your heart. And I know you're probably going to get mad at me for talking good about you. You know, some people have a reputation when you, if you talk bad about them, it's a, it's a good thing. You got a reputation that if you talk good about you, it might ruin your rep, right? So No, you could say everything <laughs> nice about me. When they see a couple of those uh, future cheat trick reviews, they'll go back to hating me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are Dr. Fuck after all. Exactly. So if you were to cover one cheap trick song on an album, what would it be? Easy answer. And I will cover it. Uh, Take Me, I'm Yours. Ah. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that song. And it's uh, a song I think I can nail. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm a thrash vocalist. I'm not. Kind of like Ian's mom. Yeah. Yes. Yes. See, I've been very uh, Disney this this whole episode. Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) But. Yeah, you know, Robin Zander, uh, and you know, I mean, if if you're not aware, I've done a couple Kiss songs, uh, spoofy things. I can't sing that good. I can't even sing as good as Gene. And uh, and I sound terrible doing it, but I do it, you know, on purpose. And people, man, your vocals suck. I'm not a good singer, you know, but I'm a great thrash singer. You know, there I you can go. do the thrash. A lot of people love my band. Uh, if you, you know, Thrasher Die on Facebook has 150,000 people, um, and we sell a lot of records and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a, uh, outside of the U.S. continent type thing, you know, toward Europe and out, you know, Costa Rica, Colombia, Puerto Rico, well, Puerto Rico is America, but anyway, so, uh, and, and, and we have a, a good fan base where, you know, I, as I, as, as I know, there's six people with Thrasher Die tattoos. That right. I see. It's also a very rabid fan base. I mean, yes, it's outside of the U.S. And you know, it's it's weird. You were talking about Cheap Trick earlier, having you know fans in Japan. Some of those shows you play, like down South America, it's like you're the biggest band in the world. Oh, well, you know, our last show there was in front of eight thousand people headlining. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Columbia. Amazing. You can see it on YouTube. It's insane. It is. You know, it it's is. just. And then we come back to Miami, and I play in front of like a hundred. You know, it's yep. it's pretty bizarre. But, you know, uh, but like I was saying, uh, I think that's the one song I think I can do justice to uh, with Robin Zander because he doesn't really go too crazy on it. But his voice is so beautiful on it. And I can even play that song on acoustic. So I, I, I definitely want to record that one day. I would love to have you do a metal version of Reach Out with like double drums like you know what I mean? That you know, it, it would be great, except for the vocals. <laughs> oh, know? stop it. You'd I don't think fine. I can do it. I mean, that's too hard. I mean, Robin Zander is, Robin Zander to me is the greatest singer right. ever. You know, there's no better singer. I'll do background screams for you. So there Okay, you go. let's get somebody else to do it, and then we just say it's me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, three songs that Cheap Trick have not played live that you know of that you want them to play. Oh, that's a great question, Ken. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Because, God, I've seen just about all my favorites live. Um, hmm. 
Uh, all right, this is going to sound bizarre because it's not a very love song. Uh, I love on the radio. I've never seen them play mm. that. And I heard a live version of it that's way better than the studio version. And I love the studio version. Um, ooh, I, I would have said uh, World's Greatest Lover because that's the only song they didn't play on the All Shook Up tour. But then they did it on the 96 tour. Um, it has to be something later. All right. <laughs> the the one that I had the argument over everybody on, uh, the one that was universally hated by you all, uh, You Drive, I Steer. <laughs> ah, there you go. I'd love to see them do that live. And uh, you said five? No, three. Okay, three. One more. Yeah, oh, pick, take, pick me, me. Take, take me, I'm yours. Jeez, I, I'd like to throw... So, I'll, I'll replace You Drive, I Steer with Such a Good Girl. Oh, what a great song. Such a Good Girl and... Uh, yeah, and Take Me, I'm Yours, and uh, the first one I said. You gotta love Good Girls. Love that song. It's so good. Such yeah. power, you know, power pop perfection. Absolutely. Great track. If you were going on a drive today, your your three cheap trick albums that you'd take with you. Um, Today, because it, it will change tomorrow. Right, it always today, does. Uh, Heaven Tonight, I mm-hmm. definitely have to take with me. Oh, all right, fuck. You know, just for you, Ken, I'm going to spoil a future review. Uh, Rockford uh, would be, you know, just to mix it up. Uh, I want to put something later. I, I would say 97 is too predictable, but uh, and um, all shook up. Mm-hmm. Very good. If you were to have dinner with one member of Cheap Trick, past and present, who would it be? Robin Zander. Robin Zander. Why not Rick? Um. No, well, it's not, you know, because Robin Zander. <laughs> I love go. Rick. Rick would be probably my second choice. Well, Tom is so nice. Tom, when I met him, he was, like, so nice, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Bunny wasn't that nice to me. <laughs> but, I, uh, hey, we're not going to talk dirt. Uh, but Robin Zander, look, I am a guy that's never had stage fright in my life. I will go up to anybody, talk to anybody. I've been up to, you know, Ozzy, Ryan James Dio, you know. You even uh, met me. And I met you. You saw how I was normal, yep. you know. I mean, a little in awe, but I knew how to contain it. Right. Uh, but Robin Zander made me nervous. He's the only person. So I'd like to have dinner with him so I can get over my nervousness. <laughs> And I love him so much, you know, and I have so much I would like to tell him, not only, you know, gush over his fans, but, you know, Robin, what, you know, what's your thought? Uh, what, what was your thought process on High Roller, you know, and uh, certain things that he's done, you know, and just I, I, I just love the guy so much, you know. Absolutely. Now, you might be able to help other Cheap Trick fans out with this, but if you had one album that you could hand somebody at work and say, look. You've never listened to them. You need to listen to this. What album would it be? Mm. I think as far as the classics go and the most successful, I think, because it did actually, this album did get my original guitar player really into Cheap Trick, and that was Heaven Tonight. Mm. Uh, I think that one is, uh, it it does have that uh, gateway appeal to it to me. Mm. You know, it's just so good. It's so the top of the world. I mean, when you hear that, it's just so good. Yeah. You know, just love it. I know for a lot of people, Budokan is the answer to that. I got a question for you, a lightning sure. round question. Um, right. Budokan, at live Budokan versus the complete concert. Which one do you prefer? Oh, that's tough. 
That's yeah. tough because there's nothing like your first love, right? Right. And there's something about that first album the way that it is. I don't mm-hmm. want it changed. But I love having these this, this different thing. So seriously, at Budokan by itself, but I love being able to dive deep into the complete concert. Oh, I'm I, me and you share the same. I do prefer the original Budokan, mm-hmm. but I love having, especially the one that has all three concerts. You know, I love having all that, you know, with the DVD and all that. But yeah. there's just something so magical about that first album, original one. They kind of left the heavy ones off it, mm-hmm. you know, other than like Big Eyes maybe. But, you know, and Clocks Are 10 smokes on that album. But there's yeah. just so, so something so magical about that edited version, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I yeah, and it is, a, I guess, a timeline thing because Ian uh, prefers the complete concert because he wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't there during, you know, the when it was bigger than Transistors. Yeah. You know? I remember when that album came out, uh, we were living by the lake, and there was a lake resort right beside us. And I would literally wake people up in the morning. I'd go out and play, like, Cat Scratch Fever on the guitar, and I'd nice. play a bunch of stuff. And then usually I would just put a Budokan on, and they would all have to listen to the album. Because the people that owned the lake resort bought the land behind us and they put it right up against our back fence. So literally my upper deck looked right out over the, the, the campers. So I would just get mad sometimes because they'd keep us up all night that I would uh, wake them up in the morning with Cheap Trick Live of Budokan. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's nothing like it echoing off a big fence and sounds like a live concert going on. It was great times. Look out. You know, I sometimes I pick a favorite Cheap Trick song, and I think, I think that that song is Come On, Come On. That's your favorite one? Well, it, it, you know, it changes, right? Mileage will vary, and each day brings a different thing. But, like, that's just such a great song. I mean... If you've ever been in a relationship and it's like, ah, oh, come on, don't do this tonight. You know what I mean? Let's, yeah. let's keep it good. Play that and the harmony comes right back. Exactly. Beautiful song.
So we wanted to encourage people who listen to Cheap Talk to check out Cheap Trick Tube. And anybody that's listening or watching Cheap Trick Tube, check out the Cheap Talk podcast. We have years worth of stuff and you're working on years worth of stuff as well. Yep. It's a pretty cool time to be a Cheap Trick fan as far as information. Set list and length of concerts. Nothing against yeah. Bunny, but boy, you get more more bang for your buck if you see them live now. Yeah, unless with they're the, opening. With the addition of Robin's son. Have you seen him recently? No, I have not. Uh, Robin's son is now a part of the lineup. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, he's got a fucking amazing voice. Oh, my first time saying fucking. Well, I've been trying. I've been good, Ken, but you know, they're uh, I am Dr. Fuck after all. That's right. You are Dr. Fuck after all. But he uh, he did like, ah, the magical mystery tour. That section, mm-hmm. beautifully sung. Uh, and, uh, and you know, he played the guitar. He's not up front. He's more in the back. But at least they have him up on stage. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a beautiful addition. What do you say to somebody who's like such a fan that they can't wrap their head around Dax and... Now, Robin Zander Taylor being in Cheap Trick, that it's kind of like bun or die. You know, what do you say to someone like that? Yeah, they they are the purest. And, and I'm guilty of that with some bands. Uh, not Kiss, by the way. Uh, you know, I love Ace. Ace is my favorite, but I'm fine. You know, I don't like the guy in Ace makeup. But when it comes to Cheap Trick, I you know, look, Bunny has health issues. He can't play more than 75 minutes. Um, and... Uh, he just can't tour no more. So it's kind of a situation where it can't be helped. So Well, even if even if not, they they must have bumped heads at some point, right? Like there's there comes a reason where people just don't want to work together. And to me it's like telling a husband and wife that got a divorce that they have to stay together. You know what I mean? Fuck that. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. And yeah, no, it wasn't there was no harmony there. There was a lot of bad blood going on. And But you know what? Look, everybody out there that's against this whole thing, just keep this in mind. Bunny's being paid every time they play a show. That's right. So it's he's still a member, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know what you feel, but I, I, I really like the last two albums. I really like Dax. He's a good guy, and I got nothing bad to say about Dax. He's just fantastic. Solid drummer. Solid drummer, and he does Bunny justice, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, wait till you see them again, Ken. You're going to be very impressed by uh, Xander's son. I believe so. Well, we want to encourage everybody to keep cheap tricking and check out Cheap Trick Tube and check out Cheap Talk, the podcast. It's years of cheap trick discussion and love. Can't get much better. Ralph, I'd like to thank you for coming on this show today. It's my honor because I'm a huge fan of yours, Ken. You know that you're a big inspiration to me starting podcasts and well, bringing my other podcasts back. So it's all my fault. Yes, everybody. <laughs> it's all it's all your fault that uh, I get to continue my glorious ride in the podcast world. It's all my fault, but it's all your vault. See what I did mm. there? Ralph Vieira's It's all vault, your fault, so. but you made me find all the parts. That's right. There you go. And when I found you, Ralph... It was like finding all the parts all over again. Yeah, I I heard angels over my head. Hot. So uh, we will see you on the next episode of Cheap Talk, and we will see you on the next episode of Cheap Trick Tube. Awesome. Can I do the final words, Ken? Sure. Suicide! (laughs) Suicide! 
suicide. Thank you. <laughs> At a rib cook-off near you. All right. Avita Zane. Avita Zane. Good night now, All ladies right. and gentlemen. Bye-bye. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'.